Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. When you don't have a clear curriculum for your classroom, it is so overwhelming to try to put that together yourself. Spending hours on Pinterest and Google, pulling worksheets and pulling pieces of curriculum together to make something that works for your classroom. That's why we created the Autism Helper Curriculum and now offer Curriculum Access. Curriculum Access gets you access to all levels and all subjects of the highly differentiated, evidence-based Autism Helper Curriculum. You can have students working on letter identification and working on parts of speech at the same time in our easy-to-use curriculum. We currently have hundreds of teachers using Curriculum Access from all over the world with consistently rave reviews. I want you to join that group of teachers. Now is the time to ask your administrators for curriculum access. We have an email template ready to go so you can ask them to set up a demo. Your administrators can jump on a live call with our team members to see everything that's included in the Autism Helper curriculum access. Next year, let's reduce the overwhelm. Let's start the year out with a path and a plan and resources to meet all the diverse needs of your students. Let's make next year the year of curriculum access. Head over to the show notes to learn more. Hi, I'm Sasha Long, special ed teacher and board certified behavior analyst. Welcome to the Autism Helper Podcast. I'm here to explore different strategies to improve the lives of individuals with autism. Hey guys, in today's episode, I'm interviewing Robin Fox. She is a special ed teacher with 37 years experience who is now working on creating a social skills curriculum based around improv games. I really love this idea because when I was in the classroom, we did a lot of drama and improv games. Now, I actually have no experience in drama or improv at all. Someone came in and helped us to do this, and we continued it on because we saw the effect this had on our kids, and we saw the progress they made, and we saw that they had fun. So I was excited to learn from Robin, who has a background in special ed and improv. So she has that expertise level in both areas, and I think you will love her ideas on how to utilize simple improv games in the classroom, and she shares all of the great benefits that it can have for your kids. Hi, Robin. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much for having me. So I'm excited about our topic, and I don't want to jump ahead. I want you to give your chance and introduce yourself, but this is something we haven't really talked too much on this podcast about, so I think it's going to be a great episode for everyone. But before we get to kind of the main event, do you want to share a little bit about who you are and your background? Sure. Um, I started out with an undergraduate degree in psychology and then a grad degree in special education. And I spent 37 years as a public school special education teacher. And it was my last five years that I really started putting 
um, some amazing discoveries together, which I'll get to. And I've been working with um, kids and young adults with autism uh, for all of those years. Um, so <laughs> I feel really lucky to have had that opportunity and still have that opportunity. I have many friends who um, have autism and uh, it has informed my work and I'm very passionate about people getting to know people with autism and maybe putting on a different lens as they look around them so that they can go past some of the uh, you know, ways that people with autism process shared space and um, be able to see the person. Yeah, what a great point. Sometimes we kind of forget to do that, right? It, it does happen. And I think that that has to also be part of the education of neurotypical people, people who don't have autism, that they need to be educated on, you know, uh, some aspects of, like I said, the way that people with autism share space and communicate. So can you tell us a little bit about, so you're not in the classroom anymore, obviously, what are you doing now and kind of that you started doing at the end of your teaching um, with individuals with autism and disabilities? Sure. Um, so the last, like I said, the last five years of my teaching, I was working with a group of about uh, five uh, high school kids who were on the spectrum and I was charged with social skills and I was using great curriculum with them, but they really hated my poking at all the areas where they felt that they weren't proficient and their weaknesses. One day I came into class and they were sitting around and they were scratching and itching and just feeling really uncomfortable. And my heart went out to them and I thought, I just got to distract them. And I am a professional improv actor. And I thought, I'm just going to play a game with them. So we played this game called Pass the Clap, where I just turned to the person next to me, we're sitting in a circle, and we clap at the same time. And then they pass it to the next person, and it goes all around the circle. And when we were done, I mean, it's such a simple game, but it actually takes a lot of skill to be able to organize your body to be that aware and be clapping at the same time. And when we were done, they asked me if we could play another game, and I played another game, and then another game. And my head almost exploded because I realized that all these games that I know from improv were actually teaching, uh, you know, the, the very skills I was charged with teaching and the kids were having fun. So we'd play a game, they'd experience it in real time, connecting and, you know, trying new things and being flexible. And then we would process, well, what made that fun? And they would tell me, and then we would play more games and, uh, parents started noticing a difference. Kids started getting more confident. And I knew I was onto something. So when I retired um, in 2013, I started writing a curriculum, which I'm almost done with. And I've been consulting in school systems. I have over 60 kids uh, in the program every week uh, in Old Saybrook, Connecticut public schools. And those uh, from second grade through high school. Uh, right now, I just have uh, elementary and middle school kids. But they are, every week, learning a new improv game, learning a mindfulness, because my program is mindfulness, improv exercises, and cognitive awareness, which is kind of based on cognitive behavioral therapy. Love this so much. And I love how organically it came about. They're like, hey, let's just try something new here. Yeah, it, that, that was actually the beauty of it, because I wasn't 
um, you know, imposing something on them. I was doing this for relief. And we're all looking for relief. We're all yeah. looking for ways that make us, that challenge us a little bit because we, when we're challenged, we learn um, because we have to expand our, our mind and our, our perceptions. And when we are having fun and being challenged, it's worth it. It's worth like going beyond your, uh, you know, walls that you've put up because you're having so much fun. And you maybe don't even realize you're working, which is the beauty of it too. Yes, that is, that is, that is great. Um, you know, the, there's kids who, when I, when we have to miss a week of improv, you know, they, they keep asking their teachers, you know, when are we going to do, you know, socialize together? When are we going to do that? Because they are, enjoying themselves so much that the learning is very, very natural. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. So, yeah, I, I didn't even tell you this when we had emailed before, but I'll, I have no background in improv or acting. But when I was in the classroom, we had a consultant from the Chicago Children's Theater in Chicago come in, and he set up something very similar with my class. And I have to tell you, which I'm hoping teachers like feel this and then learn from it is when he first started pulling out some of these games, I was like, oh my gosh, my my kids can't do that. That's too hard. That's too abstract. And we did it every week and we added structure and we had a schedule and we did these same kind of games. And all of a sudden they, they got it and they all got it. And we got to like expand on the games and make it much more complicated. It might be similar things you're doing. I'm not sure, but it was, it was so, I, you know, I felt, <laughs> I felt kind of dumb later because I was like, oh man, I really um, should have, you know, had higher expectations too, but it was fun to see how many places we could go. And that same thing you're saying, when we missed a week, kids were, when's drama time? When are we doing drama time? Um, it was something that became very important to them. And so I'm, I'm excited to kind of learn more on, on how you did this because I, did this informally. <laughs> well, it sounds like you were achieving very similar results uh, because the thing about uh, drama games is that if you watch little kids play, they are acting out real life situations. You know, they are, you know, somebody gets in trouble with their Paw Patrol guys and they go in and they <laughs> save it and, <laughs> you know, yeah. or, or, or whatever toys they're playing with or outside, they're making up stuff all the time. And then we bring them to school and we kind of just lay stuff on them. You know, it's yeah. a very top-down uh, dynamic, and it precludes them being creative and developing their imagination through play. Uh, and, and really, play is such a phenomenal way to learn how to be resilient, to learn life skills, to learn problem-solving. And so I've, 
like I said, it was just such an incredible awakening for me that I was onto something. And it was almost as if I got handed my life mission on that day. <laughs> That's how it works out sometimes. <laughs> I I, if you're fortunate fortunate enough to have that experience because it was it was um, overwhelming, exciting, exhilarating, and it's made me expand because I didn't know how am I going to get this out to the world, you know? And, um, I, and I think that's such a good point that you mentioned originally that you're teaching social skills because I see a lot of teachers struggle with teaching social skills and they, and you know, in, in an effort to make things streamlined and easier, it's like, oh, is there this out of the box solution or other worksheets or other this? And it's like, not, not necessarily, you know, with some of our more advanced social skills, we need to, as you were saying, practice things like in situ and see how it really feels. Experience is the best teacher. You know, I, I had these same kids that I started out with in Durham, Connecticut at Cognitive High School would, they knew what they were supposed to do. They could pass any written test about eye contact, about reciprocal conversation. They, they, they knew it all, but they didn't practice it. So, and to get someone to practice a skill, um, you know, to, to, that is a, a discrete skill that is, uh, you know, out of context is really not the ideal situation. Pra you know, so kids don't even know that I'm making them practice eye contact when we play a game because they have to catch somebody's eyes to send, you know, a falcon to that person or, or yeah. send lightning to that person. And it becomes, you know, they want to uh, make that contact. Um, so... And versus sometimes if you label something as the exact skill that's hard for you, like we're going to work on an eye contact activity right now. Suddenly it's like, it's aversive. It's challenging. Like if someone were right now to be like, Hey, we're going to come in and do long division. I'd be, I'd be mad. But if long division was somehow worked into shopping. Act yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, yes, let me figure out how many shoes I can buy. <laughs> you know, it, it, it suddenly that motivation's built in and it's not, it's not as aversive anymore. And that's why I am so, so passionate about getting this curriculum out there, because I've seen um, kids who were hiding under tables and not socializing at all. Um, and, and we never make anybody play. We always say, we're glad you're here. You can always pass. It's never forced. And it seems to be like a magnet because eventually those kids come in and they want to star in a video that... They, they have in their mind that we should make about this great scene that we just did. <laughs> so what does a session look like? You know, you said you go into schools right now. What does, what is a typical improv session or lesson look like um, with your students? Sure. Yeah. Well, um, I have anywhere from five to uh, 14 kids in a group. And we sit in a circle because circles are really, really powerful. Um, circles are ways that we can uh, level the playing field. In a circle, everybody is equal. And um, we start out by creating a group agreement so that we all are agreeing on how we're going to treat each other during this time. And we solicit you know, ideas from the kids will put up categories and they decide that they're going to take risks and this is what they usually decide and, and that they're going to be kind to each other and they're going to keep confidence that we're not going to talk, we're not going to mention names of people in the group when we are talking about difficult situations. So we keep everything to an agreed upon uh, 
tenants. And then, um, so the, the, in the circles, we are able to see each other. Everybody is seen, which is so important. I mean, it's so easy mm -hmm. to hide behind a desk or a book, but everybody is seen. And we start out with a mindfulness. Sometimes it's second, but usually it's first, depending on if there's a pressing issue that kids want to talk about. But we start out with a mindfulness, and I have um, about 10 different mindfulness that I find work with kids. And my favorite one is called Breathing Fingers, where they just take four breaths, and they use their thumb and to their index finger for the first breath, and then they move their thumb to their middle finger for the second breath, the, the thumb to their ring finger for the third breath, and the thumb to their pinky for the fourth breath. Then we breathe in for four, we hold it for two, and then we breathe out for five. There are so many reasons to teach kids how to do this. It's a way of uh, self-regulation. It slows their whole body down. It signals to their parasympathetic nervous system that everything's okay. It is a way that they can begin to have perspective that they are not their thoughts, which is really important for the cognitive awareness part of the lesson. And they get to breathe together. It's, and then when they open their eyes, when they're done, we just all kind of are in a new place. So we start off like that. That's great because, you know, we, as te teachers, we talk about deep breathing a lot, but we don't always teach it, like you said. Like go through the act of, you know, adding even like that little visual cue. I love that. Like touching each finger and counting together and really teaching that skill. I agree. And I am actually um, – really fond of doing that every morning myself. I try to spend 10 to 20 minutes doing uh, breathing exercises because the effects on your body are amazing. It shrinks your amygdala, which is the reactive part of your brain. It helps, you know, your executive functioning. It helps focus. There are so many advantages to having um, a regular breathing or mindfulness practice. And kids really love it. Uh, I've had kids who have taught it to their parents. When of my students <laughs> who was in fifth grade. His parents were going through a divorce and his mother was really sad and she would cry a lot. And he came in one day and he said, I taught my mother how to meditate. Oh my and gosh, that's amazing. Together and she stopped crying and it makes her feel so much better. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm crying, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. And then after that, we do a cognitive awareness exercise. So it can be about friendships. It can be about cognitive distortions. It can be about diversity. It can be about whatever comes up either with them, or I have um, a lot of lessons that I have prepared in advance to help us talk about, you know, you know, I just might throw out into the conversation circle. When do people, when, at what age do people stop making mistakes and just see what they say? Or, you know, um, something about, uh, imagine that if you were in a wheelchair, you couldn't use your legs. You're the person in the wheelchair. What do you want people to know about you? What would you like to say to them? So this gives them a chance to um, expand their idea of, of the ways that people are in the world. It helps them understand diversity a little bit. And most important, it helps to create empathy. Yeah. And then remarks that they, you know, the second and third graders that I did this with would say things like, I want you to know that I'm still a person, that I'm funny and fun. I want you to include me in your games. Come over and ask me what's going on. You know, I, I, I'm, 
I still can, I still can do things without my legs and I really want to play. So they were saying all these things as if, and then that cognitive awareness now has them look at the kids in their school in wheelchairs, and there are a few, in a different light. So yeah, wow. It's lessons like that. And then we get to the part they've been waiting for, which is an improv exercise or game. And, um, you know, they let me know very quickly which ones they want to play again <laughs> and which ones they don't. And usually the games, many of the games um, are scaffolded so that um, I have, um, there's a school counselor, Melissa Tracy at the Lighthouse, who has been trying out all the games with the kids there who are uh, more intellectually disabled than the kids I work with. So we've been creating you know, all kinds of um, scaffolding, including prompts and anchor charts and simplification of games. And then there's the other end where kids can take the game and then they can make they can adapt it and make it more complex. So each of the, most of the games are pretty, uh, you know, fluid in the ways that they can be um, applied for any population of kids. So what's one is, I know it's hard to explain probably in person, but, or, you know, over the phone, or, sure. but what is one of your favorite or even the kids' favorite improv games and kind of what skills does that work on? Okay, sure. Um, well, let me just, I get, I'll talk about the one that we've been playing recently because they won't stop playing it. <laughs> um, so it's called Mirror Taxi. And Mirror Taxi is an adaptation of oh, most of the games. I've created a few of my own, but most of the games are out there in the public domain because they've been in the improv world for a very long time. But Mirror Taxi is, um, the goal of this game is to, for them to mirror the emotion or quirk or personality or mission of another player. So for example, if a student entering this taxi, so we set up two chairs and there's a taxi driver and then there's kids waiting to get in the taxi who are trying to hail it down. And the goal of the game is for kids to mirror each other. So for example, if a student entering the taxi decides they're someone who thinks they're being followed, then the driver also thinks they're being followed and they have a conversation based on that. They mirror each other and the, uh, they've done all kinds of fun things. Second graders were doing it for the first time. And I was just amazed that they were able to, to do that. And I actually backed up for the other kids and, and created a scaffolding, but one of them was driving the car and he pulled over and the girl got in the taxi and she said, um, I am a Russian spy. We must to get out of here fast. And he turned without missing it and said, yes, we will go to embassy. And I was like, what? What is going on here? And everybody was hysterical. There's, there's a couple of teachers in the group. And we were all like, what just happened? So that, that game has um, a lot of advantages because mirroring another person uh, is you have to look on purpose. You have to listen on purpose. You have to be flexible because you're not um, the one who's deciding what's going to happen. You're mirroring somebody else. And they have so much fun. They're making up, you know, you know a se sequencing and reciprocal conversation and just so many ways of interacting that they're having. And they're having so much fun while they're doing it. And practicing all of that in, in real life too, not even, you know, on a – 
flashcard or a you know roll worksheet or something like that? Well, you know, we do. Again, we scaffold a lot of this. So we'll have on the board. Um, or we'll have a chart with, you know, all these ideas for them that are, are, are fun. You know, just, you know, somebody who can't sit still, somebody who is uh, breathes loudly, a hair twirler, someone who is always judging others. And even those things, they pick one of those things. And to process being that person and, and then the other person mirroring them, it just becomes this delightful experience for them. Yeah, so talk a little bit about how you at like differentiate. So one option would be kind of giving some response options or brainstorming ahead of time. Is that something that you find effective? Yeah. So th- what we might want to do is uh, take. We might want to do a preparation time. So instead of even playing the game, what we'll do is we'll sit in the circle and we'll throw out one of the quirks, um, and then we'll all do it. And we'll all do it together and we'll all mirror each other in a circle so that we can have the sense of what would it be like to have that quirk or that that um, situation, <laughs> whatever it is. And then we'll have two kids at a time just go around the circle and, and we'll pick something or they can pick something and they just try to uh, mirror each other. So that helps them to prepare. And then when we play the game, they'll spend some time picking out the person they want to be or how they want to be. And then they might brainstorm and write down all different ways that person would act and what they would talk about and so that they are not uh, stuck without uh, anywhere to go. The goal of improv is for them to think on the fly. And And gosh, there's so many literacy skills involved in that, you know, vocabulary and details and, you know, so many, you know, language arts-based skills as well. Exactly. It, it, it just is amazing how many, um, how many areas this covers. And another game, speaking of um, other, uh, applic- you know, something that's applicable to almost every class, which is um, it's a, an exercise in a game. The game is called Beginning, Middle, End. And beginning, middle, end is just telling a story in three sentences. So you might be saying, you know, something as simple as, I woke up. I brushed my teeth, I had breakfast. Three sentences, you're done. And telling any story in three sentences um, really makes you think ahead, what are the three most important parts of the story that I want to tell? So So the game is called Beginning, Middle, End. The cognitive application that I've developed is called One, Two, Three, Done. One, Two, Three, Done is a way of participating in reciprocal conversation when you have a tendency to keep talking about something. (laughs) (laughs) And a lot of our friends um, Mm -hmm. on the the autism spectrum have that, uh, you know, talent of being able to talk for a long time about something without checking in with someone else. So one, two, three, done is what are the three most important parts of the story? Tell it, share it, and when you're done, check in. You check in to see, is somebody interested? How do you know they're interested? We talk about all of that. They might be nodding. They might ask a question. um, They might offer something on that subject that they are wanting wanting to share. So the the game becomes an exercise uh, in being concise and being socially aware. And you can apply this to classrooms by saying, okay, we just read that book. Come up and tell me in three sentences 
the, you know, what the book was about. Um, or it could be, you know, if you're studying history, we're studying the civil rights movement. Give me three, the three most important sentences about that. And it really does help our students become disciplined in their thinking and also considerate of the people around them. And I even tell kids, when you're home and your parents ask you how was school, just give them three sentences. Give, mm -hmm. them, give them something. And, and because everybody really values the contributions of, of each other. And we want to hear from you. So just, you know, think, of the, think ahead. Three most important things and share them at dinner. And um, so it really is a wonderful way to expand not only your ability to process sequentially and to uh, share with other people, but it also, when we play the game, we can play it with three people. One person's the beginning, well, next person's the middle, and the next person's the end. And they come up with some pretty great stories. <laughs> yeah, because then it's relating to other people. It gets, it gets far more complicated then. Exactly. So so a teacher listening that this maybe has, you know, struck their interest a little bit, how do you recommend they kind of jump in and get started and set this up? Well, I, I've been thinking about that a lot and trying to make it as easy as possible for people. I have three games on my website that are ready to download that they can start with that are, I think, very useful and, and will get um, them rolling. And um, the Socialized Together curriculum is interactive, it's dynamic, and it's very easy for teachers to implement because there are scripts for them to say, and they can go right to uh, helpful ways to assist students and easier versions and harder versions. And so you don't need to be versed in any of the areas to be able to implement the program because it's, it's, very, it's laid out very uh, easily to pick up and the next day just go ahead and, and do one of the lessons. And it is uh, coordinated with the, the CASEL competencies and the castle is the collaborative for academic social and emotional learning and so each of the games and exercises fits under one of their uh, five areas which are social awareness self-awareness uh, self-management responsible decision making and relationship skills so the games are organized like that they're also organized by objectives so that if you want a game that teaches um reciprocal conversation, all the games are listed at the end um, that will fit that, or if you want eye contact, or if you want uh, collaboration or, uh, you know, flexibility, you can just look under those things, as well as a, there's a uh, bank of objectives. Uh, so there's a couple hundred objectives that you can use to write IEP goals and objectives. Which, Great. yeah, I, I mean, a big accomplishment. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Uh -huh. And uh, well, I did it for me because this is what I would have wanted after 37 years of teaching. Like, what is the best way that I could uh, deliver this program if it were given to me? And so I tried to design it with that in mind so that uh, it has a, a, a real clear way for people to uh, follow it and implement it easily and get the, you know, the most out of it. And, you know, so because the whole program, honestly, is about empathy and love, you know, and, re and, and relating and, and really self-love and caring about other people. And it, it really is that in a package of, uh, of well-thought-out games and exercises. Great. 
Well, thank you so much for sharing all about this. Can you um, get, share your website one more time? And I will, as I said, link it in the show notes so people can check it out right now. Absolutely. It's uh, www.social dash eyes.org. So the word social, S-O-C-I-A-L dash E-Y-E-S dot org. And like I said, there's so much free stuff on my website, uh, on the blog pages, because everything that I share, I just put out there so that people can try out different uh, games and exercises. And I usually try to make a video with a game or exercise, uh, or at least a content strategy every week as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. And thank you for the work that you're doing. I love your website and all the contributors and the way that you're uh, contributing to everybody's uh, ability to deliver the best education to kids possible. Oh, well, thank you so much. Yeah, we, we need we need a lot of us in this we community, do. right? Yes, yes, we do. <laughs> well, well, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Sasha. Take care. If you would have told me a few years ago that my favorite part of my job is getting up in front of sometimes a few hundred people and giving a presentation on data or behavior academics, I would have thought you were crazy. I did not always like public speaking. Actually, to be totally honest, public speaking was something I used to be pretty afraid of. But now it's literally my favorite part of my job. I love being in a room of my people, of the special ed world, teachers and parents and clinicians, and everyone that's on the front lines that's working so hard for our students to give them the best opportunities and the best classroom experience. I love being in a room of everyone that understands how hard this job can be, but also how amazing it is and how important those little victories are on a daily basis. When I do a PD, my goal is to bring value. I wanna bring action items, ideas and strategies that you can do tomorrow in your classroom. I have sat through too many professional developments that either didn't apply to me or were too hypothetical and philosophical. And my special at heart always wanted to know, what do I do next? What do I do tomorrow? If you are interested in learning more about how I can come to your school to do a professional development, please visit theautismhelper.com backslash speaking. There's a contact form as well as a lot of information about all of the different sessions I give. I'm happy to answer any questions and work with your school district. Thanks for listening to the Autism Helper podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to hear more, hit subscribe. It would mean a lot to me if you left some feedback. Whether I'm working one-on-one with a student, doing a podcast like this one, or presenting for a PD, my goal is always to provide as much value as I can. So your feedback really helps me make sure I'm doing just that. If you have other topics you'd like me to cover, leave in the feedback or message me on social media. You can follow me at The Autism Helper on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest, or visit my website, theautismhelper.com. Thanks again for listening. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. 
And right now you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Having the right resources for your classroom is essential to making sure your classroom is running smoothly. At the Autism Helper Shop, we have all of the resources you need to make sure you have the behavior, communication, and curriculum supports for your students. Within our shop, we have adapted books, task cards, resources aligned to the VB map and the ABLES, behavior plan flowcharts, data sheets, curriculum, everything you need, whether you are an early childhood teacher or a high school teacher, we have all of the resources that will meet those students' needs. So head over to shop.theautismhelper.com to check out all of our resources.